What's going on, everybody? We have a new episode of Bleacher Creatures, and we're going to have to do this one fast because uh, we had some technical difficulties, but we're going to be talking UL, LSU football, and Josh's bye week, so I don't know what he's going to talk about, but yeah, we're going to get into it on Bleacher Creatures. What's going on, guys? Got those technical difficulties out of the way. Jackson, what's up? Oh, not much. Always happy to be here. Always happy to be here. Uh, Turns out all we had to do was unplug the USB and plug it back in. Yeah, Jackson, for some reason, you're a little bit lower than I am and Josh is, so just kind of talk a a little louder. A little more more bass in the voice. No, that's easy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, I wanted to say I broke my finger last week, but on the other hand, I'm okay. All right, let's get moving. UL. <laughs> All right. Um, look, uh, UL wins big, and I think Josh and I, we've done our fellow UL students a disservice by not talking about them more. Yeah, we haven't talked about them near enough, but we got to change that, especially because yeah. LSU sucks now. So. Yeah. Um, Coach Napier's boys took out a lot of frustration on App State, I think is what it was. Uh, a whole lot of frustration, and it was incredible. Yeah, they lost – Eight of their last nine meetings to them, uh, including two conference championship losses. And then, of course, the, you know, the Cajuns won last year, and now they have a 2-0 and streak or two-win streak against uh, App State. And people are talking about this could be the most impressive win in Napier's, um, in his time at UL. Yeah, it wasn't just a win, though. No, it was they a demolish. They destroyed yeah. App State. Like, the players on the sidelines just looked sad. Like, they had no energy by the end of the game. Yeah, they got... Absolutely stomped. Um, look, UL better hold on to him for dear life because big teams will come knocking. And I would even imagine LSU has reached out to Billy Napier because Scott Woodward likes to go big name hunting. And I would not be surprised. I don't think Napier would do it, but I would not be surprised if he's contacted him. I hope he doesn't. I mean. I hope he does and I hope he turns it down, actually. Yeah. Wait, who do you think would win right now? I still think LSU would win. You still think with everything going on? Oh yeah, all, absolutely. It, it doesn't I understand. It's two different. It, it, you're in different league. Literally, yes. like, almost literally different leagues. It's LSU and, and look. I this UL team has given me something to be excited about. But at this moment, LSU would still win. Um, but look, Cajuns blow out App State, forty-one to thirteen. Uh, some big things about this game that may go unnoticed. App State was zero for eleven on, on third, third downs. Um, four turnovers and only had 78 yards on the ground. Yeah, there was never a point in this game where they looked like they were even in it. Well, they're, like you all stuffed them up the middle yeah. every single time. But yeah. there was a couple of times where UL made the plays they needed to make uh-huh. to keep it a blowout and not let it um kind of come back, them come back. Um, right. They never had a chance to like – build any kind of momentum because either the defense would stuff them or the offense would score. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. I loved I, it. I mean, Patrick, Tony, and Napier had a great scheme for that defense. Um, they shut down App State, and they like I said, they made the big plays when they needed to. Uh, opening drive, second play, Levi Lewis throws a 55-yard bomb to Kyron Lacey. Um, I'm sorry. 
have a lot of like saliva in my mouth and I can <laughs> hear it in my ears. Uh, because the gain on these microphones is up. Uh, that really set the tone for the rest of the game, I think. Then you have the pick on the third play of the third quarter. Uh, Eric Gare, I think is how you say his last name. He picked off Chase Bryce and takes back 21 yards to the App State 19, which would lead to a touchdown in two plays for the Cajuns at the beginning of the second half, um, which I think that was one of those moments where you needed uh, the insurance. Oh, that's why. My gain is all the way up. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. I was literally hearing every mouth noise I've ever made picked yeah. up on this mic. <laughs> it, was, it was making me real queasy. Yeah, over here. it was making me queasy. <laughs> uh, it sounded like I had pop rocks in my mouth. Uh, but anyway, sec, I, I can barely hear myself, though. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you're good. Okay. The, the, the equipment in here is awful. Let's just, <laughs> let's just put that on Jump Street. It's awful. Um, then you have the 13-play, 98-yard drive that uh, shaves seven minutes off the clock. Led to a touchdown. Uh, ended the third quarter. Took them into the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes left. And I think that was the final nail in the coffin for App State. Um, killed really any hope. And you look, Levi didn't even have his best game. No. Uh, 15 for 25. 209 yards with a pick and two touchdowns. One on the air. One, one in the air. One on the ground. Uh, it was Chris Smith and Montreal Johnson that really stepped up for the Cajuns. Um, Johnson had 14 carries. 103 yards and a touchdown. Smith had 13 carries for 82 yards and two touchdowns. One thing I didn't like about that game was the penalties. And, look, there were some that were highly questionable. But Yeah, uh, the officiating crew did not do a very good job at all. No. And, look, Cajuns had nine penalties for 97 yards. Um, there was that pass interference call early on Eric Gare that was – there was no touching. Like, he never touched the App State receiver. Well, there was a no call – off offensive pass interference in the end zone that App State committed and no nothing. It definitely nothing seemed like they were leading towards App State. And I, I don't. I wouldn't even say they were leading towards anybody. I think they were just bad. They were bad. Um, but then you know you have uh, who was it? It was Amani Bailey when he cuts the flip in the end zone. Uh-huh. Uh, the obvious <laughs> excessive celebration. Uh, he, he, when he got back to the sideline. Coach Napier did not look happy with him. Um, right. Here's my thing about being cocky and celebrating too much, This playing them this early in the season. There's still a chance you're going to play them in the conference championship. Uh-huh. If App State goes and beats Coastal next week, you're still going to get them. So they'll remember all of that, all of the excessive celebration, all of the jumping up and down, the dancing, the standing over them. App State's still a good team. I Even am, though we destroyed them, they're still a good team. Yeah, so you you got to keep those things down. And no, I mean, it'll just feel better when we do it the second time. But what I'm saying is it's hard to beat a team twice in a season. It's extremely it hard. Um, they know what to expect. They know what to do. It is extremely hard. And App State is a very well-coached football team. Um, and just remember, they will remember what you did, and they will be handing out receipts. But um, – well, they're going to try to. They're going to try to. That's a better way to say that. They're going to try to hand out some They're going to do their best to. Yeah. But I just hope we keep getting better and can do it to them again. Yeah. Because it was incredibly fun to watch. I guess I'm speaking as the LSU fan that had to play Alabama twice, and we know how that second game in yeah. 2014 went down. Uh, Let's see. I think, honestly, because App State plays Coastal this week, because App State is a good football team. They should have been better than that. 
Right. While we played fantastic, they should have been better than that. I think App State rode off UL before they even got there. They probably did. Um, they were looking ahead to Coastal. I think that's what they were doing. They, you know, UL loses to Texas, has a nail biter with Nichols. Uh, I think everybody picked App State. I mean, even Jay Walker, who's like the voice of Raging Cajun football, said UL would have to play a perfect game to even be competitive. And they were, they were competitive. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, and let's see. So you got UL is going to play Arkansas State next Thursday, and I'll give my predictions for that um, next Monday. But uh, thank you, UL. Yeah. Um, y'all really y'all really showed out and have, it was a great thing to watch yeah you have given me a fun louisiana football team to watch this year and i will surely do my damnedest to watch the rest of the cajun season and i'll be working a couple of the games so yeah thank you ul for that y'all were fantastic uh just yeah great great game so um the college football slate this weekend, there's really not a lot of big games. Right. You've got Georgia-Kentucky. Uh, Lane Kiffin and his Ole Miss Rebels are going back up to Tennessee, which is where he got his first job in the SEC and you know left him after a year. So a lot of eyes are going to be on that game. <laughs> Two very high-scoring offenses. Um, it'll probably be like a Pac-12 game. Not a lot of defense, a whole lot of offense. Blake, your passive-aggressive hatred of Lane Kiffin – is a staple of this show, and I want you to know that I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't even say it's passive aggressive. I think it's just there. It's just aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> There's no passive passiveness about it. Yeah. Uh, so look, we've got uh, the big one, which I think game day will probably be at. Uh, we've got 11 Kentucky at number one Georgia. Kentucky's good. I mean, we saw Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez absolutely carve LSU up last Saturday. Uh, let's be honest, though. Georgia's number one for a reason. Yeah, Georgia's not worried about them Yeah, at all. Best defense in the league, one of the better offenses in the league, but this game is going to be about Georgia containing Levis and Rodriguez, and I think Georgia's defense definitely has the capability of doing that. Uh, you got guys like N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Jordan Davis, Adam Anderson. I mean, there's just lists of guys, and they're scary for any offense. Um, but again, this is a big game for Kirby Smart. Um you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'd argue that this is a bigger game than Arkansas or Clemson was. Um, because now we know this Georgia team is fantastic. Yeah. We know what they can do. And now it's time to see if they're going to be like the Georgia teams of old that were always talked about being really great, lose to a team they shouldn't lose to, go to the Sugar Bowl. I mean, <laughs> and lose to Alabama or LSU or whoever came out of the SEC West in the SEC championship. Can Georgia handle the hype? Um right. Like, now that they're at the top, can they can they defend that little yes. title they have for the moment? Yes. Uh, this is a really good Kentucky team. I'd argue that they're I, – I, I don't say – I wouldn't say they're better than Arkansas, but they would definitely be a close game with Arkansas. Um, and okay. we, we saw how that went. They didn't score a point against Georgia. I've got Georgia winning 31-13. Uh, the defense is just too tough for Kentucky. And – Look, before the LSU game, Kentucky was winning a lot of one-game, one-possession games and a five-point win over two and three FCS Chattanooga. Um, so I just don't think that offense is as good as it is. Or I'm sorry, that offense isn't as good as it needs to be to beat Georgia. Right. Um, and they're not going to get past Georgia at home. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, we've got TCU at OU. That'll be interesting to see who starts for OU, if it's going to be... Uh, oh, yeah, Rattler or Williams, Yeah, huh? Rattler or Williams. Um, Lincoln Riley, at this moment, has still not announced a starter. Uh, you've got the quietly undefeated number 12 Oklahoma State Cowboys up against 25 Texas. Uh, 
Look, Texas is going to have that hangover, I think. They're going to go 0-2 against the state of Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> but I could be really wrong here. I haven't watched a lot of Oklahoma State. I really don't know how good or if they are good. You know, they could just right. have played 12 Sisters of the Poor teams and be – or six of them and, you know, be 6-0. and uh, Ah, yes, here we go. Number 12, Florida travels to Death Valley to take on the Tigers. I'm not even going to talk about this one. Uh, J- Josh, do you want to give a score prediction? A lot to a little? Florida winning? Um, uh, I'll say 54 to 13. Mm. Jackson? No? I don't know. that. I'd, I'd lean more like – I don't think it's going to be that much. I mean, Florida's this always is, a close game for us. This is a very – I was about to say, this is like a very uneducated guess at all. 21-13, Florida. And, you know, Coach O has said this is the best year of practice – or the best week of practice we've had, which he said every week leading up to a game. So, I, you know, what is it, take it with a grain of rice or take it with a grain salt, of salt? salt? Salt. I've heard rice before, and I thought it was wrong, but – It is. I didn't very, know yeah. enough about the saying to be like, I think that's not correct. Well, I've heard <laughs> – I've heard, like, you know, like, oh, you're all that in a bag of potato chips? Yeah. Right? Somebody said all that in a bag of rice. And I was like, no, that's, that's not wrong. A, that's not a thing at all. And somebody said bag of cheese, like, three days ago. Who – who, who, are you hanging out with? who are you I, hanging out with? No, nobody anymore, apparently. <laughs> um, well, look. No, I don't have an accurate guess yeah. for what the score is going to be. I just think it's going to be a lot. Look, I think I'm, it's going to be a lot to a little, and I think LSU is going to get driven into the dirt. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be closer than it looks. I would put money on it 21-13. Okay. Uneducated, just to guess. Look, <laughs> I would do it. That's L- gambling. LSU is a lifeless team. Um, they're going to lose big to Florida. What I want to do is point out some of the things to my avid LSU fans. Um, so first and foremost, Elias Ricks, the best player on this depleted LSU team, is now out for the season. Um, after his family announced he had, I think it was a neck injury. It was it was an injury, and uh, they announced it to O, and he will not be returning for the season. Although his mom did come out and say this is not – he's going to transfer out or he just doesn't want to play the rest of the season. She did say he will be coming back to LSU. Well, that's um, good. But, I mean, what is she supposed to say? You know? Exactly. <laughs> um, so now, LSU, you've got the three best players on this team out. Derek Stingley uh, will never play again for LSU. Kayshawn Butte and Elias Ricks. Who can't, uh, those two cannot declare for the draft because they have not been out of high school long enough. Um, now, I, I don't know if they're going to transfer out. I don't think Butte would do that, nor do I think Ricks would. But it is a possibility with how this team is going. And with how college football is moving. Yeah. Like, the direction college football is moving in seems to be a lot more transfers than ever before. And uh, I like how Dabo's not using it. Dabo's not using, like, the NIL deals to get players to come to his school. If you want to come to Clemson, come to Clemson. That's Dabo's mentality, and I really I really like that. Um, but besides that point, with these three guys out, I can't give you a definitive answer on who is the best player on this LSU team. I don't remember a time watching LSU through all my life that I can honestly tell you I didn't know who the best player on the team was. Maybe when I was like four and I you know barely even yeah, knew about it. didn't LSU. know anything about football. <laughs> yeah, but I, I cannot tell you who is the best player on this team. Um, I mean, I could if you're going pure athleticism, I could say Jack Besh, the tight end. Um, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. We'll be playing on Sundays. Uh, I mean, you got Cordell Flott, who's made some big plays, but I, I don't know if I would tell you he's the best. Um, I really don't know. I, I can't tell you who is the best player on this team and give you a definitive answer. Um, and then there's this preconceived notion that LSU is just loaded with talent. 
five stars out the wazoo, four stars everywhere. Um, well, that's just not the case at all. My cousin Charles Hanagriff on his uh, podcast, Hanicast, which you should definitely listen to. It's very informative. Um, pointed some things out. Um, our recruiting classes from 2018 to 2020 primarily. So our second, third, and fourth year players. 2018 was the 15th ranked class in the country. They had one five-star receiver who was Terrence Marshall. One, one five-star player. I'm sorry. Let me say that. Uh, Terrence Marshall is now in the NFL. Correct. Playing for the Panthers. And for our four-star recruits, you had Kelvin Joseph, finished at Kentucky. Jamar Chase, NFL. Gerald Cherry, doesn't play. Chase and Hines, starter on a bad O-line. Travis Laurel, transferred. Micah Bakersfield, starter. Davin Cotton, transferred. Dare Rosenthal, starter at Kentucky, played against us. Keenan Jones, transferred out. Chris Curry, transferred. Damone Clark, starter. We have three left out of that class of four and five stars that are still here, and the three here are not stars. That's our senior class. So, uh, let's see. Um, where, where was I? I just left off. Uh, three, four stars left. 2019 class, fifth-ranked class in the country. So, top five class, which is good. Uh, five-star recruits, Stingley, never going to play again for LSU. John Emery, not eligible. Marcel Brooks, transferred. Multiple transfers and players who aren't good enough to start. Uh, Anthony Bradford, reserved role. Third-year players uh, have five players still on the team, and only three really play. And, of course, I'm, I'm talking about four- and five-star recruits, the right. guys who were supposed to be the bread and butter of your team. Um, and I'd go through all their names, but like you said, we're on a, a shortened schedule today. Right. It would just kill time, and I don't want to talk the entire episode. Um, but these are the guys who are supposed to be studs. Um, so far from 2018, we have six starters on the team from those two recruiting classes. Now 2020 class, fourth in the nation, five stars. Eric Gilbert, transferred. Eli Ricks, out for the season. Butte, out. Those are your five stars. Four stars, more players not playing or in reserved roles. Occasional starters or more transfers, and you got Max Johnson, who's done what he can. So from that class, you've got 10 guys still on the team, and only six are starters, and two are out for the season. Uh, let's see, two are out for the season. Out of our three last classes of four and five stars, 14 are still playing. 14 and three classes, and only two megastars that are on the team but are not playing. Rest are up and down starters with uh, a few truly great players, uh, and 11 of our four and five stars have transferred. Yeah, it, it feels like there's just no energy. Yeah. Like, there's no wind in the sails for LSU right now. Yep. Everything just feels like it's just dragging to get through the rest of the season so that hopefully next season will be better. Yep. And I think it's only going to get worse this season because eventually O is going to get fired. There's going to be the whole drama around whoever the new coach is going to be. And it's just gonna it's gonna hurt the team for next year yep. if they don't do it sooner rather than later. But, but think about that: fourteen players from 2018 still on this team that are and not there's two megastars and they're not even playing. Yeah. Uh, then you have Mike Jones, who's a high profile transfer from Clemson, hasn't played it down. So this is what I want people to think about when people say LSU is just loaded with talent and there's been some guys who have yeah there's been some guys who have emerged but these classes are filled with guys that should be making LSU great and it's it's not even close to that. Um the best on the list from 2018 to 2020 are either transferred or gone pro. Now the 2021 class is third in the nation and it's you know it's way too early to judge but a couple five stars uh I think Nussmeyer will be great and be in the competition for the next few years when Walker gets there, if he gets there. Uh, and so for the 2020 class, they sit ninth in the nation with two five-stars, Walker Howard and tackle Will Campbell. 
But with a coaching change, that could all change. Um, right. So you never know. But uh, before I talk about that, Josh, I, or before I give you the floor, I wanted to say something um, about Coach O. Something that I didn't really realize. Um, us getting an interim right now is not going to fix anything. No. The season's not going to be saved. Nothing is going to happen. We will still finish how we would have with O. Yeah, the season's over. Um, that being said, I think with the 2019 season that O gave us, yes, he had an amazing coaching staff, amazing players uh, on both sides of the ball, great defense, great offense, uh, coaching staff, fantastic. Um, he still went 15-0. He was still the head coach. Okay, so it all went through him. Right. I think that has earned him enough enough pull to where he gets to stay the rest of this season. I think it has. And I, I, I you can't disrespect him because he still gave you one of the best years the best year in college football ever. I, I want him to go. Don't get me wrong. But the yeah. more and more I think about it, the less and less I see how anything would be fixed if we fire him now and get an inter- and you know, put in an interim and go hire somebody right now because regardless they're not coming until the season's over. Unless you hire somebody who's not coaching right now. Right. Well, my thing is, like I was saying, if you if you get O out of there now, you can start coaching them out of the bad habits that they formed with him. You can. The longer he's there, the more they're going to get set in their ways. The freshmen are going to get set in O's ways, and then they're going to have to unlearn and then relearn next year or in the offseason. The thing is, though. But I get what you're saying about yeah. how we have to respect that he, he – Went fifteen and zero. Yeah, won a national championship, had one of the greatest college football seasons of all time. So, I see where you're coming from. As a, I don't know. But just, if you do what you say, you have to make sure the interim changes the philosophy completely. Right. And with six games left in the season, how how much can you really do? So, it, it'll be interesting. Um, another thing, before we go, or before I give it to you. I, I can't imagine how hard that is to know, like, 2019, I had the greatest college football year of all time. Now I'm stuck with a team that may not win. I'm not stuck with. I coached this team that may not win four games, and there's I'm trying everything I can to fix it, and I have no idea how I'm going to fix this. I can't steer the ship right again. That has to no. be one of the worst feelings I could ever imagine. So, yes, I know we all want O'Gone. We want a new coach, but maybe just – and I'm guilty of this, too. Maybe we should pump the brakes and take it a little bit easier on him because that is something extremely difficult to go through. All right, uh, Josh, now we can go into the NFL. Do um, you want to talk about the thing? I'm sure everyone's heard by now. John Gruden said some horrible things Horrible things in emails over a 10-year period. He attacked just about every group. I mean, literally, he went after everyone. Yeah, no one was safe from this onslaught, basically. But, I mean, I don't really have much to say about it. He resigned. I think he should have resigned. If he wouldn't have resigned, I think he should have been fired. Now you got to dodge quickly. Yeah. So, I mean. I mean, that's when you know you did something wrong is when you have to – when you resign before they fire you because you know you're going to be fired. Oh, oh, he yeah. had no so chance. He, rec- he recognizes it 100%. Yeah, he knows what he did was wrong at this point. Yeah. He's still trying to claim that he's not this and not that. Nah, but Honestly, at this point, it's up to whoever reads the articles. Y'all believe what you want to believe. It I doesn't mean, 
look, you say he says that when he gets caught, right? Like right. You were doing this for 10 years before you got caught. Yeah. 10 years is a really long time to hold those beliefs true. And it kind of it kind of shows that like Oh yeah. You are what you said. And I think the right. Bears fans right. right now are trying to look for Matt Nagy's emails to see if they can find something <laughs> on him to get him fired. Well, Adam Schefter just got caught up in this too. Oh, really? Yeah, not not the same exact thing, but so all this started because of the email leaks f- when they were um investigating Bruce Allen, I believe his name is. Yeah, they weren't even Washington. they weren't even investigating Gruden. Right. But Gruden just kept sending Bruce Allen these emails yeah. about every different group that you can imagine. So now apparently Adam Schefter's journalistic integrity is being called into question because he leaked it. Oh no, he was or he saw it and didn't say anything. No, 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 no. no. Adam Schefter, early in his career, was sending articles that he was writing about Washington to Bruce Allen. And he he was calling him Mr. Editor and saying, here, if anything needs oh, to be changed, change it. Oh, okay. So his whole journalistic integrity is being called into question. And this is just the second person to come into contact with this situation. So I can only imagine more people. There are more to come. Wow. Okay. That's that's big. Yeah. I mean. Because Adam Schefter is one of the biggest names in, in the in the football media world oh yeah by far without a doubt everything if i mean for nfl at least everything goes through shefty yeah shefty and uh rapaport rapaport so that's interesting yeah um wow i did i didn't know that uh i mean it look it's bye week what do you want to do yeah what do you want to do josh i'm gonna talk a little bit about monday a little bit about thursday and then a little bit about the saints not much about the saints but just a little thing I noticed. Because I saw something over the weekend that I think would enrage you. Tell that me. I, I want to bring to attention. Um, it's about the Jaguars. It's not about the Saints. Oh, okay. okay. But I want to get your opinion on this. Um, so, there's a picture of the sideline of the Jaguars, of course, losing another game. And right. it's Tony Khan, who is the owner, or the son's, the owner son of the Jaguars, but he has a, a lot to do with the Jaguars. This is also the same guy who owns the wrestling company AEW. Okay. So there's a picture of him on the sideline. He's got his notebook in his hand. He's looking stoic and, you know, off into the distance. Uh, there's on the paper. Can you tell me what he think was written on the paper? Was it plays, stats, you know, starters, anything to do with football? Cheerleaders phone numbers. No. It was the match card for his upcoming AEW pay-per-view. That's what he was writing Go down. Go sit in the suite. That's what he was writing down. As he's watching his 0-5 Jaguars team lose again. Go that's, sit in a suite. That's what was on his No paper. one needs you down there. Like, if you're the owner, yeah, you have every right to be down there. But you're not doing anything. You pay the bills. That's, that's what you are as an owner. But the own owner doesn't care enough oh, about his team to even watch the game. He's sitting down writing his little wrestling fantasy card. Yeah. If, if you're not going to care enough to go down there and actually have something to say— Sit in a suite and write all the cards you want about your stupid wrestling league. That sucks. We've talked about that before on this show. Yes, it, because it's horrible. They just trashed WWE, and literally no one's heard of his wrestling company. Dude, I, I like looked it up. I think WWE has mentioned them like six times in their entire existence, and AEW mentions them at least twice a week. Yeah, because no one cares. And let, like, unless you're a wrestling fan, you don't know what Any, AEW is. You don't. And At all. That's the funny thing. And uh, You told me what it was. Yeah. 
He posted this picture so his fans could see it and be like, oh my, look how much he cares about AEW. Wrestling is uh, wrestling is back. You know, no, that, it's not. That, that it never was it's back. literally not. Yeah. And, I mean, it kind of never left. It, it was always in more of like a niche. But, I mean, the 90s it was big because you was. had Stone Cold yeah. and the NWO and all that. Yeah. It, it just, I mean, it never really left, but the AEW was never a thing. Yeah. It still isn't. Thanks, Blake. You just swayed me one way. I was half and half on one of my picks later. But now you're picking against Jacksonville? Yeah. But I, I just, I, I find it mind-blowing that the owner's son, who has a, you know, a lot to do with this team, is on the sideline, and he couldn't care less about the team playing in front of him than flying to the moon. No. He cares about his wrestling company, and I just think that speaks to the entire problem with the Jaguars. Yeah. It's, it's not a main priority for anyone in the organization besides the players and the coaches. And I don't even think it's a, a priority for Urban. Oh, clearly not. <laughs> Full finger guns over there. Oh, come on now. It's a PG show. <laughs> All right. Come on. All give right. It, give it so to me. Monday Night Football, as I said, the Colts suck. How do you lose, go up 22-3 I think late in the third quarter and then still lose? You're pathetic. Aren't they the only team to like lose by that record or like being up by that much in the fourth quarter in NFL history? Probably. I mean, they're they're just so – I don't understand them. They have the tools to be a very good team, and they suck. They, they a, actually just suck. They got a but, great stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the sunshine just literally blinds you on one side and yeah, you're in the dark on the other. But that's enough about the Colts because the narrative that Lamar can't play from behind oh, and he, come back and get a win, it's gone. He also had a lot of yards through the air and some, what do you have, like four TDs? Yeah, it was ridiculous. A lot for but, a running back. <laughs> yeah. He came back with his arm, and he looked incredible. And th- he really showed why the Ravens are such a good team. I agree. And even though I'm kind of bored of the whole Ravens system, I like that they're changing it more to be able to pass and to be able to come from behind or to get ahead early instead of just staying on the ground constantly. Yeah, I like it. That's spicy. That's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Thursday night football, the Bucks won. Yeah. Obviously. They play the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, the Eagles are horrible. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, though. But the Bucks are not the juggernaut so far this season that they should be. Were, were you being sarcastic? No, I was being very serious because oh. that's that's coming up in here. Oh. <laughs> they're, I mean, the Bucks are a very good team, but they're letting teams stay in these games for way too long. It's yeah. this game should have been a walk in the park. The Eagles are terrible. Yeah, they they're really so are. bad. They're two and three right now. Well, they're two and four now, but they came into the game two and three. And they haven't looked good in any games besides week one against the Falcons, which is pathetic. I mean, everybody looks good against the Falcons. And week six against the Buccaneers. Sheesh. Those were their two best games. I saw Tom and one of the uh, Eagles players getting a little stiff out there. They were, they were throwing some elbows at each other. Yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm, sure I'm, not, was... no I'm not joking. They really were. No, I know. But yeah, I'm sure the, no uh, taunting was called. No, no, but it was the uh, Dallas, not Dallas, the uh, Eagles D lineman like starting it, and like the play was ahead of them. So what they were doing was really kind of irrelevant. But they were getting a little, they were getting after each other a little bit. Yeah. Well, quick note since we're talking, since we I brought up taunting, there was a taunting call on the last drive. On I, I forget his first name. His last name is Avery. He plays for the the Eagles. He tackles Leonard Fournette. It was kind of a big hit. He stands up, and they square off, like, face-to-face, and he, like, nods. 
like the the like bowed up nod, and that was called that was taunting. I mean, I guess by the definition it is taunting, but that is definitely one of the weaker ones that I've ever seen called. Then the next play, Antonio Brown catches a pass over the middle. Who is a walking taunting call. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. <laughs> he literally falls on the ground, stands up, and rolls over the first down line, and then gets touched. He stands up, underhands the ball 10 yards in the air, and then stomps and screams for the next 10 yards. Yeah, that's taunting. Nothing is called. Or if it's not taunting, it's excessive celebration. Later in the drive, he does it again, and nothing is called. If you're going to make this taunting a point of emphasis... Then actually call it. Call it as you were trying to do to the defenses. Don't make this just a defensive penalty, because yeah. that's what it's been so far. Defense is already hard enough to play in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. We don't need this taunting crap to come back and just... Can we say that? Crap. You say damn all the time. Yeah, but like a, like a damn with beavers. <laughs> no, um, but anyway. we don't need this taunting I point of it. emphasis to just constantly. Josh is going to get canceled. <laughs> oh my God. Um, it's bad enough as it is. Yes, it really it's is. It's getting worse. But Tampa's one true blowout was last week against the Dolphins, and they suck. Well, yeah, the Dolphins are perennial bad. Perennial, yeah. Perennially bad. Yeah. They had Tua. He wasn't doing good. Tua's not an NFL quarterback. I'm no. so I'm tired of I've, that being a narrative that he is. He's not. I've agreed with that from the beginning. I knew he wasn't going to be an He had two NFL. options to be great. He could either be Russell. Well, three now. He could have been Russell Wilson. He's not fast and like elusive enough. Drew Brees, he's not accurate or smart enough. Or now Kyler Murray, he's not fast enough, and he doesn't have a strong enough arm. Yeah. He's, That's his three options to be great, and he's none of them. I think the Dolphins are probably already looking into drafting another quarterback. Yeah. He's also been hurt two seasons in a row. Yeah. He's he, not going to be an NFL very quarterback. very injury prone. He was like that at Bama. Yeah. Him and Jalen, although Jalen seems to have knocked that uh, injury bug, but Tua was injury prone as well. I don't think either of them are going to be franchise quarterbacks for long. Yeah, me either. Oh, I forgot to mention something. Um, because I, you love defense. Iowa has intercepted 10, I'm sorry, I think, yeah, 10 interceptions in the past two games. That's incredible. 10 interceptions in two games. They picked off, uh, Tua's little brother. That's what made me think of it. I want to say they picked him off six times. It was either six or five times. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And he had not, he had thrown like one interception up until that point. That's incredible. But, oh, on, on a defensive note. Trayvon Diggs has six interceptions through five games. Nice. So that's a cowboy that I'll I'll gladly talk about because he is insane right now. Yeah. He's playing out of his mind. That that that's nuts. He's on pace to break the record, which Night Train Lane said. Whoo. As nice. a rookie with twelve <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah. Uh also Iowa has sixteen interceptions through six games. Yeah. 16 interceptions. Yeah. They're averaging 2.7 interceptions a game. Go off, Iowa. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and the thing is, they don't play another like relevant team until the Big Ten Championship. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. They had six against Maryland, so I guess they benched two, Tulu, Talia, I think is how you say his name, because they had five against him, and then they picked off four against Penn State, who was the number four team in the country. Wow. Yep. Well, good on you, Iowa. Good on you. <laughs> Good on you. All right. Uh, 
Yeah. So I was talking about the Bucks. Sorry, I, I no, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Ah, you're fine. But yeah, a lot of blame falls on the defense. But the offense hasn't looked like they should at all so far. Like well, they have their little spots where they they can go down the field and score fast. But other than that, they're they're struggling down the field. It's they don't look like they're just flowing down the field. Like last year, at towards the end, they were walking down the field on everybody. And the same thing with the Chiefs. They were walking down the field on everybody. And this year, both of them are struggling to score yeah, the more Chiefs than are, they ever have. Chiefs are a weird situation right now. And uh, I'm not saying they're not going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. But if they play like this. Well, especially with the Raiders now. Oh, I'm talking about Oh, you're, talking, you're still talking about the Bucs. I was yeah. talking about the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be there, too. They're probably about to go on and win eight in a row. And it's going to be whatever. Can we talk about, at one point, uh, Pat's wife tweeting all the time about the uh, the Chiefs and really aggravating literally everyone. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> awful, and I hated when she was doing that. Yeah. But anyway, continue. That's about all I need to say. Yeah. <laughs> but if they play like they're playing right now, the AFC is going to destroy them in the Super Bowl if they make it there. I mean, who do you think could come out of the NFC? The Cowboys? So, the Bucks are having to win shootouts right now. Okay. We've already seen them lose to the Rams. They can definitely outscore them, and they can stop them. I think the Cowboys can outscore them. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. With Trayvon Diggs playing defense, they're going to steal a couple possessions. They can beat the Bucs right now. The Cowboys are playing lights out. Let's just – Cowboys are playing lights out. I'm waiting for the roof to fall on them Um, because it always does later in the season. It does. The Seahawks are still a good team. Seahawks are still a good team. I don't have them on this list, but I have the Rams, the Cowboys. I think the Cardinals would shred their defense because their defense is playing terrible. And the Cardinals they lost are just Richard Sherman so too. Quick, they're so quick. They're so fast. And then they have D Hop, and then they have Kyler that just literally can just scramble and skedaddle around the field. Yeah, and just appear in the end zone. And then you Green Bay, Jackson. Not yet. Okay, oh, yeah. sorry. And then Green Bay would be very hard for them to stop. Green Bay's weird, man. You, you, Green Bay's weird, but they they don't sh- have a corner at all right now. Yeah, Green Bay's been like showing up, but you you have to know there's always that weekend where they don't show up. Oh yeah, I mean it happened they, week one. Yeah, <laughs> but the Bucks are good. They're potentially great, but as of right now, they are nowhere near where they should be with the team that they have. So now it's the Saints bye week. So I'm gonna talk a little bit. I think they'll about- win. I think we're going to win. I think we're going to come out of this one with a win. But I'll make this quick, but I'll have to say a little bit about them. Okay, that's but fair. I went back and I watched all the highlights from the games this season. Dedication. And what I saw gave me a lot of hope for the things to come in the rest of the season. Because I saw holes that we need filled bad. But the people that are about to come back are, are going to fill them perfectly. Yeah, and they're all coming back this week. Not all of them are coming back. But a good It'll bit. Be, yeah, over the next probably three weeks, they'll be coming back intermittently but one of the biggest problems we've had offensively is having a reliable target to get open in the short to intermediate range we haven't had a good like move the sticks type of guy that's michael thomas and traquan smith yeah they go over the middle they move the chains for you that's a perfect spot for them to come in and fill that hole's filled we haven't had a reliable tight end especially in the blocking game Nick Vanette fills that role perfectly sorry i I'd talked a lot and i was out of breath i was about to say you like <laughs> rolled your head into that but our pass rush has struggled to get pressures, much less sacks. But here comes David Onyemata and Marcus Davenport, which will also allow Cam Jordan I was about to, to have say, a lot less 
double teams, yeah. and he'll have more freedom on the line to get the, to quarterbacks. It's going to take the pressure off Cam. Exactly. Defense has been getting a lot of pressure on Jameis. Well, we have our Pro Bowl center, Eric McCoy, and ter- our Pro Bowl lineman, Teron Armstead, coming back. Jameis also hasn't been the greatest at reading defenses, like pre-snap, like the pressure, but Eric McCoy is incredible at that. He helped Drew with that, yeah, which Drew was incredible at. We haven't had a good or even decently reliable kicker the entire season at all. I think we've made like two field goals. But Will Lutz is coming back. Nice. Dude, I got dust in my throat. (laughs) Right now, my biggest worry is that last week wasn't enough to prove to Sean Payton that James can be trusted with a bigger role in the offense. But I think Sean is smart enough to see the success that we had with him last week, and he's going to let him be the guy. You got to hope. And we've had our struggles so far this season. Don't get me wrong. But we're finally about to find out what this team can be with our full slate of players. And I think we have the potential to be great this year. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Jackson to say, uh, 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 I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> no. So now I'm on to my picks. And right now I'm 42 and 22. So we got the Dolphins and Jags, Dolphins, Vikings, Panthers, Vikings, Chargers and Ravens, Chargers, Rams and Giants, Rams, Texans and Colts, Texans, Chiefs and Washington. Really? You're picking the Texans over the Colts? Colts suck. So do the Texans. Texans have been putting up a whole lot of points, though. I think we've said Colts suck every episode enough, <laughs> enough to think that Josh. Is yeah, I can't just pick the them. I can't it. pick them after starting my portion of the episode with, as I said, the Colts suck. Yeah. So Texans are winning, and the Dolphins and the Jags. That's another toilet bowl. That's another toilet bowl. There's a, I mean, there's not many like big games this week, but we had the Chiefs in Washington. I picked the Chiefs. If the Chiefs lose this week, it's over. I will officially have to say there's something going incredibly wrong in KC. Yeah. The Packers and the Bears, this isn't even a rivalry anymore. It's it's really It's not. an afterthought in Green Bay, and it's the biggest game of the year for the Bears. Packers are winning. Bengals and Lions, Bengals. Cardinals yeah. and Browns, Cardinals. This one's hard to decide, honestly, but the Browns, because the Browns really need a win. That's a, I mean, that's a big track. game. It is. Is it in Cleveland? I don't remember. I'm going to go Cleveland. All right. I chose the Cardinals. Are the Cardinals still undefeated? Yeah. I'm going Cleveland. Baker's still hurt. Oh, That's my thing. Man. Baker is still hurt. Man. But they really need a win to get back on track. It was hard. This one, I I, I, it, I know that it can go either way, and I had to pick somebody, so I'm picking the Cardinals. Who's starting? Is it still Baker starting? Yeah. But he's just hurt? He's He he pulled something in his left shoulder, so his non-throwing shoulder, but it still messes with your body and everything yeah. when you're trying to throw the football. I'm, I'm still going uh, – I'm still going Browns. I'm All still right. going Browns. So now we got the Cowboys and the Patriots. Cowboys. Uh, Raiders and Broncos. Raiders. Even though John Gruden's gone, I think Derek Carr is experienced enough that he'll be able to deal with the pressure. Well, the, the Raiders are falling. The Raiders are falling, but I still think they're better than the Broncos. I, I mean, I've always I've said since the Broncos started winning, they're Paper Tiger. They have not played anybody. Yeah, I agree. And they lost to the Steelers. You were right. And then we have the Seahawks and the Steelers. Seahawks. Seahawks. (laughs) And then we have the Bills and the Titans. Bills. Bills. (laughs) Like, all of the big games this weekend feel very one-sided, except the Cardinals and the Browns. So, everyone watch the Cardinals and the Browns. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. That's the biggest game this weekend, I I would have to say. I want to learn how to do a star with my hand. Me too. Just just for the Cowboys. I don't like y'all. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. 
I had never heard this song until I heard it on the Big Bang Theory for the first time. It's uh, with like Shelton's mom. No, what Shelton? Remember Shelton from Big guy. Bang Theory? Yeah, of course this guy. He's from like Texas. Shelton. Shelton. I thought it was Shelton. It's I don't Sheldon. like the Big Bang Theory. I just would watch it if it came on. Uh, yeah. Okay. Barnacles. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> it is Sheldon. Now what ep- what episode it. was it in? I don't know. Season hey, three. I just know seven. Sheldon's from Texas, and his mom would sing it or something. Okay. Who cares? Who <laughs> Apparently cares? Apparently you. No, Apparently you, Blake. It's a great song. It's not. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to say before we got into some trivia? No, I do not. All right. So I'll, I guess I'll go first. Uh, which bowl game? Uh, Jackson's got a roll. So, Josh, these are for you. Jackson, right. uh, we appreciate you coming in and listening and really just saying, like, three things here and there. You know, <laughs> this one, I was a little quieter this time, but. I'm always happy to be here. It's just, you know. We're happy to have you, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Get out of here so you can get the class, you crazy kid. Woo! Speaking of class, I have a test to take today that I did not know I had to take until today. Those are always fun. Um, all right, Josh. Which bowl game is played in Tampa, Florida? The Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the Orange Bowl, or the Sunshine Bowl? Citrus Bowl. Is that... Your final answer. Yes. Are you positive? Not at all. It was a guess. No, it, it's it's uh it's the Outback Bowl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't put which one was the right answer because I figured I would know it, and then I tripped myself out, and I was like, let me look it up real quick. That's why I was like, are you positive? No, I did not know at all. <laughs> yeah, it's the Outback Bowl. All, all right. right. The Arizona Card. Well, this is a true or false question. Okay. The Arizona Cardinals are older than the state of Arizona. True or false? True, because they were not always in Arizona. They were in St. Louis. You are correct. Let's go. All right. Um, Which college football stadium is commonly referred to as the horseshoe? Is it A, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, home of the Florida Gators, B, Autzen Stadium, home of the Oregon Ducks, C, Ohio Stadium, home of the Ohio State Buckeyes, or D, Boone Pickens Stadium, home of the Oklahoma State Cowboys? Give me the options one more time. Ben Hill. Just the teams. Yeah, uh, Florida, Oregon, Ohio State, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. That's your answer? Yeah. You're wrong. It's Ohio State. But what's funny. Why? Because they always refer to Ohio State Stadium as a horseshoe because one end zone is not connected. It is a horseshoe. But if I remember correctly, Oklahoma State Stadium is also in a horseshoe shape. It's not a full bowl. So that's funny, but they, the the horseshoe is Ohio State. Interesting, man. I'm, I'm mad Jackson didn't get to stay for the minor league teams. I know, because yeah, that's like he, he, that's why he left. Because he lost last time, uh-huh. and he just, you know tucked his tail between his legs. Yeah, he didn't want to miss this time. The NFL owns the licensing licensing rights to every team except which one. There's a team the NFL doesn't own the licensing license. That is a hard one. I know <laughs> licensing rights to. Yep. Really? There's only one. What division? Or what are they? AFC or NFC? You know who it is. The Packers. No. Who? The Cowboys. Oh, that makes sense because the Cowboys are bigger than the NFL. Yeah. 
Um, because I, they're America's team. They are America's team. Literally not. No one likes them outside of Dallas and, <laughs> and Lakers Blake. and Yankees fans. Uh, I have I, I put one more because I, I really liked uh, asking college football stadium questions. Which college, which college team plays its home games between the hedges? Is it the Penn State Nittany Lions, the Stanford Cardinal, the Georgia Bulldogs, or the Virginia Tech Hokies? They play their games. It's called playing it between the hedges. I'm going to go Stanford. It's Georgia Bulldogs because they have the bush, the hedge bushes along the field. I have missed all of the questions. I today. think you have. All right. Let's hope you get this one. Minor league time. Oh, no. You have the Clearwater Threshers, the Sacramento Locomotives, the Brewster Whitecaps. I only did three. I didn't realize I only did three, but I only did three. So I helped you out. I'm going to go with the Threshers. That's your answer. It is. You are correct. The Clear, the Clearwater Threshers are a low-A affiliate of the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. The Brewster Whitecaps are actually a Cape Cod Woodbat League team where a bunch of college players go up in the summer to play baseball. Okay. All right, guys. That's going to be our episode for today. Josh has got to get to work, so this one was a little bit quicker, and we didn't get to start as you know early as we wanted to. We were supposed to start at 1030. We did not start until 11. Yeah. Um, Technical difficulties. Which is, you know... You come to expect now with this freaking podcast, but um, yeah, uh, I have nothing else to say other than thank you, UL, for a great win this week and giving me something to cheer for. Josh, anything? I want to just thank everybody for listening and continuing to show support. I know we don't have a huge audience yet, but hopefully one day, and y'all help spread the word. Put it on your story. Follow the Twitter. Do anything you can. Tell your friends. Yeah, just, I mean, just help us out. If you enjoy something, I think it would be reasonable to show it to someone else and be like, hey, I enjoyed this. We usually enjoy the same things. Why don't you listen to it? Yeah. So be- just just throw it out there. Yeah. If everybody hates it, you know. Hey, good uh, bad press is good press. Exactly. At least people are talking about us. All right. Peace out. Peace out.